I'm a keep it simple kind of guy. I don't fuss with my zones. I don't worry about my zones. I go with my math number and that's it. But if you want to use zones, hey, you do you. You want to make things complicated? Yeah, I'm not here to stop you. Episode 1218 of Diz Runs Radio is a quick tip episode. Today's quick tip, the basics of heart rate training. All right, y'all, real quick before we dive into today's quick tip, uh, today's episode is brought to you by the Heart Rate Training Keys, the giveaway that I have that's, uh, you know, so it's, it's the sponsor is, is free today. The, the product of the sponsor is is free. Uh, basically, it's it's some of the, I think, seven, seven or eight of the things that I've learned sometimes the hard way, or, or if, if, at least not the hard way, at least the long way. Uh, taking me a little while to learn in my, whatever it's been now, six and a half, seven year process of committing to heart rate training and, and learning a few things and seeing the benefits pay out in a big way, uh, trying to shorten the learning curve for you, make it a little bit easier for you to see some of that success, ultimately trying to encourage you to stick with it because heart rate training, as we're going to talk about a little bit more today, is uh, is nothing if not slow in terms of making progress, but the progress can be substantial, especially if you stick with it and allow it to build for years and years. Um, which is, you know, it's kind of the, the situation I find myself in now. So if you're, whether you're just getting started with it, whether you've been kicking the tires on it for a while, whether you've been maybe struggling with heart rate training and thinking about giving it up, uh, check out the, check out the keys. Like I said, there's seven or eight kind of things that I've learned, uh, some resources, uh, linked up in it as well. Uh, disruns.com slash heart rate keys, all one word disruns.com slash heart rate keys is the link. We get a clickable link in the, uh, the information that's with today's episode as well. So if you're, you know, just listen to this on whatever app you're listening to cycle through to where it's got the, the details about the episode, kind of the, the episode notes or info, uh, various podcast apps, call it different things, but it should have a link in there that's clickable. Uh, but again, disruns.com slash heart rate keys is the link get it for free. Give it a, it'll take you like 47 seconds to read through. Maybe it'll take you a little bit longer than that, but not much. Uh, try to make it real simple, not overwhelming. Just a couple of, like I said, things, things that I've learned that'll hopefully help you as well. So today we are talking about heart rate training because, uh, quite frankly, it's, it's one of the things that I get asked about semi-regularly and, and I'm not here. I'm not, I'm not trying to be one of those douchey influencers. It's like, Oh my God, so many of y'all have been sliding into my DMS asking me this question. I just figured I'd do a post about it. Like, no, 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 no. That's not the case. Um, however, there are there have been a few folks, you know, it, emphasis on a few, but it's 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 a semi recurring theme. Uh, I had had somebody reach out uh, via Instagram, I don't know, a month or so ago, like, hey, do you have any good episodes on heart rate training? And I was like, oh yeah, I've got a ton. And then I kind of went back through the archives and was like, I mean, I've got a couple from like five years ago. Um, I feel like I talk about it all the time. Maybe it kind of gets brought up in various various areas, but it's not like a specific deep dive. And I don't know how deep we're going to dive today because it's a deep topic. And, you know, I mean, we all know that my quick tips tend to not be, be quick, but let's, let's not be ridiculous today. We don't need an hour and a half quick tip. We'll save that for uh, the Q and a episode, but I do want to dig into to heart rate training a little bit more because it's just something that we haven't really gotten into in a while. If you don't have any interest in heart rate training, Hey, just give this episode a listen, because I feel like there's still, you know, hopefully, hopefully if you listen to me semi-regularly, you're at least on board with effort-based training which is kind of, kind of, I would put heart rate training in that same category, right? But even if you're not hardcore into heart rate, that's cool. Still, hopefully some things you can, you can glean from today that, that will encourage you to make sure you're keeping your easy runs easy. I would still say heart rate's the best way to do that, but Hey, you do it your way. Um, and hopefully today will be help something helpful for you. But if you're interested in heart rate training, um, today's episode, and, and quite frankly, 
spoiler alert, the next couple episodes are for you. We've got a little, little three-parter here over the next few weeks. So let's, let's dive into it. Um, first and foremost, like I said, this is a deep topic. Um, and, and admittedly, we're going to be a little bit superficial today. All right. Like, like at the, at the absolute superficial level, heart rate training is real easy. Right. And, and, and again, I know I just said a second ago that effort-based training, keep your easier and easy. Like if, if effort-based training is your thing, please just, every time I say heart rate training, just substitute effort. Right. Um, we're just talking about keeping your easy runs easy. So there might be some mixing and matching of terms there. Um, but you know, heart rate training at its, at its core, pretty simple run while keeping your heart rate at a certain level or below a certain level in a certain zone. However you want to define your various method of heart rate training. As long as you're doing that, you're being successful. Right. And, and, and ultimately that's, that's what it boils down to. Um, that said, it's easy to see why there's a lot of confusion. Um, why there's a lot of misunderstanding and, 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 and quite frankly, why people are hesitant to commit to it in large part, because it's about as counterintuitive as it gets, right? Like the idea of heart rate training is that you're going to run easy most of the time, or as I sometimes say on social media, you're going to run slow in order to race fast, right? You're going to run easy most of the time. So that on race day, you can just hammer and push hard. And how does that make sense? Quite frankly, it doesn't. Right. I'll admit that it doesn't make sense because so much of our, of our mindset and, and not even from a no pain, no gain mindset, although there's, that's certainly a big, a big piece of the resistance here, but like you practice the way you play, right? If, if you grew up playing any type of sport around any type of athletics, or if your kids are in athletics and you, you go to practice once in a while, I'm sure you've heard your coach say, Hey, we practice the way we play, right? If you're crappy, if you're not crappy, if you're sloppy at practice, you're probably going to be sloppy in the game. Right. If, if we're not intense in practice, we're going to struggle to be intense in the game. And I think that, that in theory, that makes sense. And, and especially in various other sports, right. That, that can make a lot of sense. But when it comes to running, when it comes to endurance athlete, athletics, it, it's, we wanted to, it, like the reason that we would probably train hard. And, and a lot of people, especially if you're not really into the heart rate training or effort-based training, like it makes sense. I mean, I need to push myself with most of my runs. Maybe I run easy once in a while, but for the most part, I'm pushing hard, right? Like I'm trying to, to get used to running at, at the, you know, the goal pace I want to achieve for my half marathon or my marathon or my 5k or wh- whatever distance you might be training for, because you think that how I practice is how I play, right? How I, how I do my training is how I'm going to perform on race day. And that's just not how it works. It's not that, that, that that's not physiologically, logically, it makes all the sense, right? I'm not trying to, to dismiss that logic because I get it. I don't even disagree with the logic, but when you start to understand the physiology and kind of how race day performance comes, comes about, you can start to hopefully start to wrap your head around a little bit of why slowing down, why running easy, not just once in a while, most of the time, if not exclusively, although I'm going to push back on that a bit as well. Um, but you know, 80%, 85%, 90% of the time running easy. It's the best way to race fast, race hard. Okay. So let's talk about physiology for a second. And, uh, first and foremost, a little disclaimer here. Like I said earlier, this is a deep topic, right? There are full books, full college courses, full graduate level courses. I've taken them that are dedicated to exercise physiology, how the body responds to exercise, how it adapts, how it gets stronger, how it becomes more efficient, how it utilizes energy, how it creates energy, 
all of those types of things. We're not getting into all that. <laughs> all right. Um, fun fact, exercise physiology classes were pretty much my least favorite classes at every level of education that I took. You know, I took, I think two, I took a general physiology class in undergraduate, you know, it was anatomy and physiology. I like the anatomy part. Physiology, eh. Took an exercise physiology class in undergrad, eh. Didn't, uh, didn't exactly excite me. Took an exercise physiology class in grad school. Also, not exactly excited. Because I just don't care that much, quite frankly, about the cellular responses, things like that. I'm more of a big picture guy, at least when it comes to how our bodies adapt and, and get stronger. So I'm not going to pretend that I can explain the physiology of heart rate training to the, to the molecular cellular level. I can't. I don't care about it enough. But let me, let me try to keep it simple. Go basic, give you a, hopefully a little bit more understanding about why heart rate training is effective, why, again, heart rate, effort, whatever you want to call it, how, why I think that, I don't want to say that you're foolish, but why I think that you're making it harder on yourself to be successful as a runner if you don't adopt some level of, I'm going to run easy a lot, ideally most of the time, okay? Because ultimately what happens is if you want to race faster on race day, Right. If you if you if you got a PR out there that you're trying to achieve, um, the the idea is that you know just training, right? Just running is going to help build the fitness and get us there. And every run that you do, for the most part, is going to build some level of fitness. The problem is, is we've got kind of two primary fitness drivers, right? We've got aerobic fitness and anaerobic fitness. Now, again, try not to go too deep in the in the physiology here, but aerobic means that we're running easily enough that our bodies can utilize oxygen, AKA aerobic, um, to generate the, the necessary energy to, you know, to exercise, to function, to live. Right. And that process is a little bit slower. All right. Aerobic glycolysis, as they call it, is a little bit of a slower process, a little bit more involved process, but it's a whole lot more of an efficient process. All right. I'm, I'm not going to get into all the, all the ATP, but the, the, the bang for your, your, your buck in aerobic energy production versus anaerobic energy production, you, you, you get quite a bit more production aerobically, right? And for us as runners, a.k.a. people that are breathing while we exercise, um, you know, if you, can, if you can build an aerobic level of fitness or increase your aerobic level of fitness, that's massive, massive. Because when it comes to anaerobic energy production, AKA high level, high intensity training that, uh, or high intensity efforts that, you know, require massive, massive effort. Our body can produce energy that way, but it's minimal, minimal. We can produce it quickly, but we can't continue to produce it long-term. You know, you, you know, you know how you start to feel that lactic acid build up during a, during a hard effort, maybe a sprint to the finish line, something like that. That lactic acid is a byproduct of anaerobic energy production of, of trying to create lots of energy as quickly as possible. It's not very efficient. The lactic acid that we produce actually slows us down. I've talked about this before. Today's not the day, but if you think that lactic acid causes muscle soreness, you've been misinformed. Okay. Lactic acid doesn't cause your muscle soreness. It causes your muscles to stop firing as, 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 um, intensely, right? It causes muscle failure in the short term, which is why at those hard efforts, Lactic acid does build up. Lactic acid is a byproduct of aerobic energy production. Um, but once you stop running, it basically it, it dissipates. Our body dissipates lactic acid real quickly, real easily. 
um, and it doesn't cause muscle soreness. Muscle tears cause muscle soreness. There's a correlation between muscle tears and muscle, whatever. We've talked about lactic acid in the past. We can talk about it more in the future if you want, but today's not, today's not the day to get down that rabbit trail. Just can't pass up the opportunity to dispel the myth that lactic acid causes muscle soreness. It does not. Hashtag science. Okay? But when it comes to, to our training runs, back to, back to the businesses at hand before we run out of time, which we're going to run out of before we get as, depth, as deep as I want to today anyway, or we're just going to go over time more likely the scenario. When you're running, you're either primarily using aerobic energy production or anaerobic energy production. But here's the rub. And here's the thing that, that I didn't fully understand until I really started to deep dive into heart rate training. Once you transition from aerobic energy production to anaerobic energy production, and you don't need to be full all out sprinting to do this, right? You just kind of need to get a little bit beyond what is physiologically easy. It's very rare that you ever shift back to building and developing predominantly aerobic capacity, right? Aerobic fitness. So, that's why it's so important to keep your easy runs easy because that's really the, the best way to build your aerobic fitness. And when we're talking about races that are going to last, shoot, when we're talking about races that are going to last 10 minutes, you know, which, which I think it's safe to say that just about all of us are running races that are at least 10 minutes long, if not, you know, two, three, four, five, six hours long. It's all about the aerobic fitness, your anaerobic fitness. And, and I'm not trying to dismiss anaerobic intensity and fitness and, and doing some speed workouts once in a while. There's benefits to those, but it's not from a race day fitness perspective because your anaerobic fitness, you know, a minute, two minutes, something like that. Okay. So maybe it, it helps a little bit with that final push towards the finish line, but guess what? If you don't have a good aerobic base in place, that final push at the finish line isn't worth a whole lot right? Because you, you, your race probably fell apart, especially for a longer distance race before then. So building the aerobic fitness is massive. Best way to do that. I want to say hands down. I'm, I'm not going to make that bold of a statement, but pretty much the best way to do that is to train aerobically. So how do you do that? Well, that's, that's where heart rate comes in, or at least that's where keeping your easy runs easy comes in. Heart rate's the best way to do so in my opinion. And we all know that my opinion is an expert opinion because it's really giving you a picture of what your body's doing, right? Sometimes we feel like we're running easy because, because it feels comfortable because it's, maybe it's a pace that we've been running for a while, but our body's working harder than what we, there's a mixed signal there somewhere. Our body's working harder physiologically. There, it's, we're, we're not just in the, you know, maybe we're not completely at the red line, but we're not just nice, easily idling along, right? Cause the heart, the heart rate's up higher than, than it, than it's, than it should be. Um, for based based on and again I, I know I'm kind of skimming the surface here, maybe drawing some generalizations, but we all have a level where it's no longer easy, right? So how do you determine what that is? Y'all know I'm not the biggest one size fits all guy, but but there are times that sometimes that's the best option, or at least it's the easiest option. Now you can there are various tests and ways to determine your actual maximum heart rate. You go out and just hammer, you know, whether it's on a treadmill, whether it's on a hill. Uh, there's different. You can Google it. There's a bunch of, there's a handful of different ways. These tests are not fun because you're literally maxing out, right? Like you're going as hard as you can pretty much until failure. Um, but that'll give you a very good idea of what your maximum heart rate is. And then you can factor back by multiplying by like 80%, 30%, 40%, 50%, 
That's where my aerobic kind of upper level of my aerobic is. I want to stay below that. You can kind of figure out your heart rate that way, or at least what your aerobic areas should be, how to keep your heart rate in that aerobic zone. I'm a simple guy. I'm a simple, simple man. I just use the math formula, right? Uh, we've talked about this before, but it's basically the, the it's, it's comes down to the Maffetone method. Um, but the math doesn't stand for Maffetone, but that's another com- you know, topic for another day. Uh, the formula is simply 180 minus your age. Now there are some, some adjusters that you can factor in there, but again, at, at the risk of trying to keep it simple, trying to not overcomplicate that, which can be pretty, pretty easy. Just go 180 minus your age. So if you're 40, which I used to be, but I'm no longer, but to make the numbers easier, um, you know, 180 minus 40, that's 140. So you want to keep your heart rate below 140. Now, again, are there other formulas? Are there other formulas that you can even plug in, you know, your age and your gender and this and that and do the math? Yeah, sure. And I'm a math guy, so you can go for it. Um, but every time I've tried one of those different formulas, and I've tried a handful of different ones, I always come back to being plus or minus a couple of beats to the math method. Now, if you're going to do that, if you're going to look at some other formulas, don't cherry pick the highest number, or at least that's my challenge to you. Don't cherry pick the highest number. Cherry pick the lowest number. Meaning if you come back, if you do, if you run three different formulas and you've got one that's 140 and one that's 138 and one that's 141, don't set your target at 141. No, 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 no. We want to err on the side of caution here. At least I would encourage you to err on the side of caution and set the 138 one. But ultimately that's how you kind of determine an aerobic heart rate level. Or that's, that's one way, multiple ways. What about zones? That's another option gets talked about a lot. A lot of times our, our, our various watches and apps have kind of the zones factored in and they, they use a formula to determine again, age and gender. And, and maybe sometimes they even will factor in kind of resting heart rates, things like that. Um, again, I'm gonna keep it simple kind of guy. I don't fuss with my zones. I don't worry about my zones. I go with my math number and that's it. But if you want to use zones, Hey, you do you, you want to make things complicated. Yeah. I'm not here to stop you. Um, Look into the very, whatever, whatever device you have. Cause there are some different, some formulas have like four zones. Some, some have six or seven zones. Some have, I think the standard is typically five, uh, but double check what the zones are, right? Double check, uh, kind of how they're factoring, how they're figuring. Um, again, this is where, why make it more difficult on yourself is my opinion, but you know, as my, as expert as my opinion is, it's not doctrine. So if you want to look at your zones, that's fine. Uh, typically, Zones one and two are kind of your easy aerobic zones above that. It's a little bit, you know, higher intensity. So you, you want to not get into zone three, if at all possible. Um, but again, double check the details of your, of your heart rate zones based on your watch or your device or whatever that's, that's factoring it. The, the main factor here, the main thing we're, we're looking at is keeping your, your heart rate below wherever heart is, right? Whatever it's, whether it's zone three whether it's, or I guess technically it'd be below zone three. So just keep it in zone two or zone one, keep it below your math line, keep it below your, your figured out, your factored out, you know, maximum heart rate and percentage of that to keep your, your, your aerobic fitness building, however you want to get there. That's what we're focused on. Now, uh, an area where people can commonly get tripped up is that when we're, when we're analyzing a run and determining whether it was easy or not, we need to be looking at the actual heart rate, not the average heart rate. Meaning, you can be running along nice and easy. Uh, and especially if you're still new to heart rate training, it, the heart rate, the heart rate is going to creep up regardless, right? Like that's just, that's just how it works as we get to, as we start to fatigue as, as, especially if it's warm as heat 
begins to, to build and we've got to factor in sweating and cooling our bodies while we're, while we're running, um, you know, you can, you can stay at the same pace. You can jump on your treadmill, Thessaly, or anybody else who's foolish enough to be a treadmill devotee. J- jump on your treadmill, set it at whatever pace, set it at, at, you know, whatever six, six point oh, so a 10 minute pace. Doesn't matter. You set it, set it, whatever pace you want to set it at and sit out and run for an hour. Right. And you'll see, it may not spike, but you're going to see a steady progression in your heart rate over the course of that hour. And it's, again, it's, it's totally natural. It happens to literally everyone as, as we get fatigued, as, as our body starts to tire, as our muscles start to tire, our body, our heart has to work harder to keep going at that same steady effort. Your heart rate creeps up. So what can happen? And, and, the, and the reason I, I bring that example into, into play is that Sometimes we'll look at our heart rate, our average heart rate at the end of a run and be like, all right, my average heart rate was, you know, 137. I stayed below my, my 140 mark. Well, but did you, did you on the average? Sure. But maybe you spent the first 40 minutes, you know, below 130, but the last 20 minutes of your run, you know, the numbers kept ticking up and ticking up and you ended up at, at a 148, 152, which Check's definition is not easy based on trying to keep it below 140, right? Your numbers may vary, but based on our example. So was that run a wash? Was it worthless? No, but the whole thing wasn't easy, right? When you started to creep above 140, that's when the run transitioned from easy to not easy, right? And when we're trying to build the aerobic base, when we're trying to, 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 build that fitness that's going to, that, that that's long lasting and, and, and builds upon itself over time. Got to keep it easy. Right. So just, just be aware of that. You know, another example based on just how math works and I'll just do it real quick, but you know, you can have a good hard speed session, whatever the distance is, some type of repeat, right. And your average heart rate might not look that fancy because if, if, at least if you set up your workouts, like I do, where, you know, we got, we got the, the warm up. We got the hard efforts, but we got the recovery efforts in between. We got a mile or two of cool down afterwards. Like I can get after it pretty hard for a speed workout and have an average heart rate that doesn't look any different than it does during an easy run. And it's not because I didn't push hard when I pushed hard, but I recovered, right? I slowed down. I walked, caught my breath, brought my heart rate back down before the next hard interval. And so again, point being that it's not the average heart rate that matters. It's the actual heart rate. So you do want to monitor your heart rate during your run. Now I'm not telling you, you need to watch, you know, have your, your, your head in your watch the whole time, but maybe set some alerts, set some alarms, whether it buzzes, whether it beeps, whatever it is. So that, you know, if you start getting up there towards, towards your upper limit, towards your math line, towards your upper zone too, maybe you get that little nudge, that little beep that says, Hey, slow down just a little bit. Maybe you have to walk. And that's, and that's the frustration that a lot of people have, right? Is that when you first get started, you're not doing very much running. It's because You've probably been doing a lot of running over the years that was harder than easy. Maybe not super hard, but harder than easy. So your aerobic fitness just hasn't built as much. We need to work on that. That's why we need to slow down. Maybe even need to walk, but let your heart rate kind of be the guide on that. When it comes to heart rate, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because some of you are going to tune me out if you haven't done so already, but facts are facts. Okay. And, and, as, as much as I try to keep up on the literature, there's nothing that's been compelling enough to tell me that this isn't still a fact. If you want to, if, if you're going to be serious about accuracy with your heart rate training, you got to get a heart rate strap. 
All right, get out of here with your your optics on your watch. The optic sensor on my watch is great on the new on the new iWatch. No, it's not. It's great at rest, right? It's 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 good enough at rest. It's good enough overnight to get an idea of of um you know of of your resting heart rates, things like that. It's it's fine for that. Okay, but where accuracy matters is when we're working out, and. Every time I've dug, done a deep dive through Garmin's, through through various other sports watches, things like that, and they talk about their heart rate sensor or the, the, the heart rate you know capability of reading from the wrist, there's always an asterisk. And it always says that, well, that we're actually not technically measuring heart rate. And there's actually, you know, a little bit more, it, it's, it's much more accurate at rest and very low, very low intensity, like walking. Um, but as, as exercise intensity increases, the accuracy of the optical heart rate can vary wildly, wildly, like 20, 30 beats wildly, not like three to five. Okay. Now, am I going to say that heart rate straps are perfect? No, I get some funky numbers on my heart rate strap once in a while. It happens. All right. But don't rely on your watch. Don't rely on the armband. Okay. There's so many margins for error there. Um, skin color, location, you know, unless, unless you're what you're putting your watch at the exact exact right place, same place at the exact, like super tight level every time. And even then I'm not sure it's perfectly accurate, but at least that you know, you're going to cut down some of the margin for error. But if you're not translucent, right? All you, anybody black and Brown, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work as well because the pigment of your skin, anybody who tans well, it doesn't work as well because the pigment of your skin. And again, this isn't my opinion. This is the science behind optic heart rate straps. And if you're optic, you know, uh, heart rate sensors and watches. If you look, if you dig into it, which you don't need to, but if you want to dig into it, you're going to be like, Oh yeah, he's right. He's right. Okay. I know the heart rate strap isn't the most comfortable thing. And I know for ladies, you got your heart, your, your sports bra on as well. It adds a layer of, of discomfort. I, I, that again, fact, right? I don't think, and this is me personally, as much as I don't think that the heart rate strap is the, the most comfortable thing in the world, you get used to it. Right. You know, um, you maybe have to play with the position, especially ladies, you know, depending on where your, your, the, the bottom of your sports bra hits. Here's the thing with your, with your heart rate strap. It doesn't have to be perfectly centered over your heart, right? As long as you're close. So put it down just a little bit before below your sports bra, you know, like figure out kind of play with it. Um, but the beauty of the heart rate strap is that it measures the electricity, the electrical impulses of your heart rate. So it actually measures your heart rate. The optical sensor on your watch measures blood flow which is not the same thing as heart rate. It's kind of like the lactic acid scenario. Like there's correlation, but it's not the same thing. Like, I don't know. I, I, I know I beat this, this point up sometimes. And I said, I wasn't gonna spend too much time here and here I am five minutes later. But if, if you're going to do heart rate training, get a heart rate strap. Yes. It's an extra expense. Yes. It's not the most comfortable thing. It's also going to make you more successful, right? It's going to, it's going to make you see the results over time. I don't want to say quicker because it's a process, but it is going to, you're going to get the results because you're going to have accurate data, accurate information going, Oh yeah, my heart rate really is creeping up into 142, 143. I better dial it back instead of it saying, Oh, well, I guess my heart rates, you know, it's just at 130 when it's really at 142, 145, 147. And now all of a sudden you're not building your fitness aerobically anymore. So get a heart rate strap. It's more accurate. And I don't care what ginger, and I have nothing against ginger runner. I have nothing against anybody else who's, who's analyzed something. Oh yeah, that's just about the same accuracy. No, it's not. Here's, here's a, here's a fun thought experiment for you. One more time while we're on the subject. 
if the if the the optic sensor in your watch was spot on, why would Garmin sell heart rate straps? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. But if you dig into the Garmin website and their heart rate strap, it says this is more accurate than the sensor on our watch. Maybe not quite in that many words, but that's what it says. That's what it says. I've done the digging. That's what it says. Whew, steps off a soapbox. Get a heart rate strap, y'all. One last topic for today or one last thing to, to dig into. And again, I know this is, this is, we're jumping all over the place. It's a deep subject trying to get it in 30 minutes and we're not going to even do that, but Hey, doing my best volume with heart rate training matters. Now I'm not saying that there's a minimum amount. If you're not running more than 40 miles a week, it doesn't matter. It doesn't improve. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but the more time you spend running easy, the more miles you cover at an easy level of effort, the quicker you'll build your aerobic fitness. Now, again, quicker here is very relative. It takes certainly months and really years to like really see a payoff. Okay. We'll get into some of those numbers in in the coming weeks. We're going to talk about this again down the road, but you're not going to see a massive turnaround in a week or two. Okay. You're just not, but the more you're running, the quicker you'll start to see that payoff. And, and this is where, this is where it is. Volume does matter. Okay. But again, I'm not saying if you're, if you're, let's say you're running 10 miles a week, right? Let's say that's a typical weekly volume for you. That's great. Start there. Keep your easy runs easy at 10 miles a week. Even if that means some walking. Hey, hey, okay. That's fine. Will you build your aerobic fitness as quickly as if you're running 20 miles a week? No. Is it double? I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not necessarily linear math here. But maybe you start with 10 miles a week, and as, as you start to, to kind of get the hang of things, maybe you start to notice that you're not feeling as wiped out after your runs, and you're like, I could, I could add, it, I could add a, a, a fourth day to the week. You know, I could add an extra 10 minutes to each of my runs, and now I can get, you know, over the course of, instead of 10 miles, maybe that ends up being, I don't know, 13 miles. Maybe that ends up being 11 miles. Whatever it is, you know, as you start to add more volume, You'll start to, again, you're not going to even notice the difference in, in your progress, but the progress will be made a little bit more quickly. All right. But you got, this is where you got to commit to it, right? I've, I've had folks that I've coached that are like, try to dabble in heart rate training a little bit. And I'm not saying that it's useless. And I'm not saying that we're not seeing benefits and we're not seeing, seeing progress because I don't believe that. I mean, I, I think any run is a, is a run that benefits us, right? Every run has a fitness building component, but if you're just dabbling in heart rate training, it's going to take a long time to get anywhere. If you're, if you're running again, and I'm not saying this in a dismissive way. I'm not saying this in a negative way. There's nothing wrong. If where you are at in life right now is that you're able to run twice a week. And that means you get seven miles a week. That's awesome. Get those seven miles, commit to heart rate training with those seven miles and you'll build fitness, but you're not going to build fitness as quickly. And again, quickly is relative here, but you're not going to build quickly as quickly as somebody who's running 25 miles a week. Who's probably not going to build quickness build fitness as quickly aerobic fitness as quickly as somebody who's doing 40 miles a week. And they're basically doing all their miles easy. And that person's not going to see his progress as quickly as somebody 50, 60. Now, obviously at some point there's a, there's kind of a, you know, um, diminishing returns and, and all that. And this isn't the place to get into it. But the point I'm trying to make here is that you've got to build up the volume of, of easy miles, right? To, to see the, to, to really, see the benefit. 
Don't don't just jump from, all right, well, I'm doing 10. He says I need to run more, so I'm going to do 40. No, 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 no. You still got to build your fitness, you know, b- increase your volume slowly. I'm not going necessarily the 10% rule. We know what I think about that. But like, if you're going to jump from 10 miles to 40 miles a week, like we're, we're asking for trouble. Like straight up. If we're going to jump from 10 to 20 miles a week, we're asking for trouble. You got to progress gradually. But here's the thing. Doing, keeping your easy runs easy, you might just find that you're not as worn out after each run, like I kind of already mentioned before. And as I've had many people comment, like, oh my God, I feel so much better after a long run. Yeah, it took me an extra half an hour, but I kept my, my long run easy the whole way. And like, I wasn't wrecked the rest of the day. That Yes, yes, that's what we're going for. Which makes it easier to add an extra day because you don't need maybe two days to recover after a long run. Maybe the next day you can go out for just a couple mile shakeout run if that fits your schedule. Or maybe you can go an extra mile or two on the day you do your long run and you let your mileage increase that way. Point being, for the 17th time, volume matters. The more volume you accumulate, and again, not just per day, per week, per month, but just over time. The longer we can consistently stick with this, the more progress, A, that you'll make, and B, the more visible that progress becomes. So, that was a lot. And like I said, I know if, if you're not really into heart rate training, maybe maybe you didn't even make it this far. That's okay. Still love you. But it's the same principles that apply for any type of, you know, keep your easy runs easy because it all, it, like, the only way to get faster on race day is to build your aerobic base. And maybe I didn't mention this earlier, and, and maybe we'll save, we'll save this for another time. We'll save this for next week. Because next week we're going to talk about speed workouts. Because... One thing that another thing gets lost in discussion sometimes, and, and quite frankly, I mean, I don't know that I always do a good job of communicating this. Doing your easy runs easy, heart rate training, doesn't mean no speed workouts. Speed workouts still matter. They're still important. They're still valuable. So we're going to talk about how to incorporate speed workouts, when to incorporate speed works, the benefits of speed workouts from a heart rate training perspective next week. So, so again, just so that we're on the same page here, I'm not saying that you can never run fast again what you might find is that your speed workouts are actually more effective if you're running easy most of the time. There's your cliffhanger for next week. What do you, what do you think about that? What, what, what do you, where do you stand on heart rate training questions that you have about it? Cause we're going to dig into it over the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, let me know. Of course, if, if you're listening to this post post next couple of weeks, still let me know your questions. Maybe we'll do another episode. Maybe I'll just answer your questions straight up. Um, could always, always be, uh, components of Q and a episodes in the future as well. Um, y'all know, I love to talk about heart rate training, even though I know not all of you love listening to it. So thanks for humoring me. Thanks for humoring those that have asked some questions on this in the past or in the, in the not too distant past, which is kind of what triggered this idea to make a little heart rate training series. Um, so this is part one next week, speed workouts and how that relates to heart rate training as well. Uh, like I said, thoughts, comments, questions, your heart rate training experience, any feedback, always appreciate it at Diz runs on Twitter at Diz. Well, I guess it's X gosh. Old habits die hard. At Diz runs on social media. There we go. We covered all our bases there. Uh, Diz runs at gmail.com. If you want to shoot me an email, dizruns.com slash, what are we at? Slash 1218. Get you back to the blog post for today, which of course has memes and gifs and nonsense and links and all the things, including that comment section down there at the bottom of the page. You can feel free to let me know what you think about heart rate training, what you think about this episode, what details I missed in an effort to not go t- too deep into one area of the discussion. Um, if there's an area you want me to go deeper, let me know. And, uh, again, we can figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, but any thoughts, any feedback from today, always appreciated. Dizruns.com slash 1218 at Dizruns, Dizruns at gmail.com. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. 
If you're still here, you must be interested in heart rate training enough that you might be interested in the heart rate keys. The little uh, PDF I put together, disruns.com slash heart rate keys is the link. Get it, get it if you haven't gotten it already. Um, more more depth, more detail, citing studies about why the heart rate strap is the best option. Yes, legitimately scientific studies have proven it. Garmin also admits it. Polar admits it. Apple probably doesn't admit it. I don't know. Anyway, check it out. Dizwins.com slash heart rate keys. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. If you have a friend that's interested in heart rate training, hey, hit that share button on this one. Send it to them. If you're in a, a running group where people talk about heart rate training you know, on, on Facebook or in, in, in real life or whatever, point them in this direction. I, I appreciate uh, when you help spread the word um, and, and hopefully they'll appreciate what I think is a decent resource. Although I guess it means you have to trust me, which maybe they won't trust me. That's fine. Uh, send it their way. Let them be the judge. Dizruns.com slash 1218. Appreciate you hitting that share button. And until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk more about heart rate training and speed workouts next week. But until then, see you. <laughs>